You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we mourn the passing of a true Utah man and a Utah legend. That's right. Coach John Peace passed away on Monday. We'll talk about his legacy, uh, share some personal tales, and uh, recap just everything that he did, both for the University of Utah and in his life and career uh, as we memorialize a true Utah man. Also, Utah spoke with Utah football spoke with the media. We'll recap some of those comments for you, including some uh, direct commentary from Andy Ludwig, someone we haven't heard from a lot during the camp. Also, big night last night for Utah baseball players in the MLB. We'll talk about all that stuff coming up on today's episode. It is a Tuesday, August 17th, 2021, and this is the Locked on Utes podcast. Joining me on a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Brought to you by the Fantasy Live Show. Have fantasy football questions you need answered before your draft? Of course you do. So don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th. That's tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live or submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. Also, we are brought to you by Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Kind of a somber episode. Start to our episode today as the University of Utah announced the passing of John Peace. Uh, and uh, this one, I think, boy, um, Hard to put into words a little bit what John Peace meant to a lot of the newer generation of University of Utah football fans, but also to an older generation of University of Utah football fans and players. It's rare that someone has such a long history with one program, but not only that, can connect so many generations. And maybe that's the best way to describe John Peace. He was a connector. Uh, he was great at connecting with others. He was great at connecting with players. He was great at connecting uh, coaches together, um, connecting programs, connecting the dots. Uh, he was an incredible person. Um, I think really what stands out in my mind the most is when he came back to the University of Utah, he connected me with my own dad in a way that um, you know, we we talked about things previously. My father played at the University of Utah in the late '60s. Uh, wasn't you know a big name or anything like that up there. He actually uh, originally got a books and tuition, so they they didn't have like a full scholarship. They had books and tuition back then, um, which was like, kind of like a partial scholarship, I guess, because he was a long snapper. Um, he was like five ten or five eleven in high school, and then he grew 
substantially his freshman year of college and, and you know, started to play a bona fide role. But John Peace was a graduate assistant at the University of Utah back then. Um, he played at the University of Utah in 1963-1964, was named the most inspirational player his final year when Utah went 9-2 and and won the Liberty Bowl. 64 was the very first bowl game that Utah ever played in, as if I recall correctly. The win total under head coach Ray Nagel stood at the school record until 20, 2003. I'm reading this, some of this from the UtahUtes.com website, so uh, thank you to them for putting some of this up here. makes my job a little bit easier. Uh, he also played two years at Fullerton Community College, where he was a junior college All-American halfback in 61 and 62. Uh, he was a linebacker, so switched positions halfway through. Earned his bachelor's degree in physical education from the U.N. 64. Uh, began his career as a graduate assistant at Utah from 1968-1969. That was when my father met him. And <laughs> when Peace came back to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Utah with Kyle Whittingham in... Uh, Oh, uh, was it 2015? Yes, it was. Um, that was when my father had first... He'd always told me stories about his playing time at the University of Utah, but that's when he really opened up about John Peace particularly and some of the experiences he went through with coaches and things like that. At that point in time, I was coaching at Cypress High School. I actually quit my job and was working full-time at the school trying to pursue that career. Um, it, it was a, uh, really transformative time in my life because I learned a lot um, and, and grew a lot and had to had to learn a lot on the fly as well and so you know my dad started telling me stories about John Peace and how much energy he coached with how much passion he had on the field he said he was a wild man out there he said but you could always tell that John Peace cared and that was something that I realized as a coach myself and, and granted like I don't ever want to compare myself to what these guys do at the college level uh Maybe it's like uh, drawing, right? And I'm drawing with a crayon, and these coaches are drawing intricate, you know, beautiful charcoal drawings or, or, or sketches in pencil that are absolutely gorgeous. And I'm out here just scribbling things on a piece of paper. But at the same time, talking to him, talking to Coach Peace, getting to know Coach Peace a little bit at that point in time, it opened my eyes to a lot of different things. It opened my eyes to how to be passionate, how to care about people, how to connect with people, but also how to bring energy in a positive manner. And I think that is something that Utah fans and and, and players left and right fell in love with John Peace. Uh, there's a million stories out there. I think the most po popular clip maybe of all time from either a coach or, or anyone else is that clip of John Peace dancing that I think it was Morgan Scally nabbed it. And, you know, to see somebody like him just out there enjoying it, having that kind of energy, being willing to do whatever it took to connect and, and to you know have fun and, and, and bring that kind of uh, energy, even at that age, I think it's, it's inspiring, but also it... It really he just – we talk about not caring what other people think, and I think there's positives and negatives to that, right? Like if you don't care what other people think, you just do whatever the heck you want. It's not always going to be a positive, but I think that was what was great about John Peace is that he was doing what he wanted to do because he wanted to be a positive impact guy because he wanted to do good things and, and leave places better than he found it. And I think he came into that one season – with the mindset of helping out Morgan Scally and helping out a lot of those players. 
And you could hear it the way that he talked about him. And <clears throat> excuse me, in, in a way that a lot of the players have talked about him since his passing. I saw a, a message from Caleb Rep, who had a very up and down career at the University of Utah. And, and Caleb's message was he always believed in me. And I think if you went and talked to all the players that played in the program during Coach Peace's time there, they would say the same thing. And I think that's the beauty of Coach Peace and who he was as a human being is that he always believed in people first and foremost. And he was willing to sacrifice his time and, and give of his knowledge and, and his energy to others because I think he understood better than most that when you share those kinds of things that are so valuable in life, it comes back to you tenfold. And, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame he's not around to to see and feel the energy and, and all the positive impact he's on, had on people's lives. Um, you know, I, I think for someone like me, he's an invaluable piece because, uh, you know, at a point in my life where I was trying to find my own voice and trying to find a direction, uh, I had some interactions with him that re- that really made a huge difference. And uh, I'll never forget those. And, and also being able to connect with him through my father and his experience with John Peace, you know, that's that's something that's special um, because I think I, I talk about it all the time that football is my family. And, and whether it's me sitting behind a microphone and talking to people out there who are in their cars driving or at work or whether communicating with people via Twitter or on the board at Ute Zone, uh, that's me trying to interact with my family. And some days I do it better than others. I think that's also very true of families. But, um, you know. To, for my immediate family, for those people that really do have to deal with me more than everybody else, to have somebody who could bridge that gap while also giving of his knowledge and, and his time to me in such a limited basis, it, it just, it, it's really, it reminds me of how I need to be living my life. And I think that's what's great about coaches and, and part of why we all love Kyle Whittingham. I think a big reason is for the success, what he's built at the University of Utah, but it's also because he serves as an example and a reminder of what we all need in our lives, which is someone who can help guide us, remind us, correct us, and believe in us. And I think that are, are those are all things that, that John Peace believed in incredibly uh, deeply. Uh, he was truly a Utah man from start to finish, um, you know, I know that towards the end, he was fighting a few different battles in terms of his health. And I think for people that are, you know, with coaching, it's it's such a demanding job physically. And I, I know people probably don't think that it's super demanding. You know, how demanding is it to just be there yelling at people? But you're modeling the 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 drills and you're modeling the correct technique. And uh, it's long hours and, and emotional and and it really does require a lot of energy. I think anybody who's been privileged to see University of Utah practice will question exactly what it is that Sharif Shah and, and Morgan Scally ingest before a practice because of the amount of energy that they exude. But for people who have been so dependent upon that and that energy and, and their bodies to help them generate and, and physically uh, express that, it can be so difficult when uh, the body starts malfunctioning. It's hard for all of us, to be honest with you. Um, but I just wanted to close out this segment because I thought Coach Whittingham's words were spot on. He said, John Peace was one of my favorite people ever. He was my friend. It was an honor working with him, learning from him, and knowing him. 
He impacted the lives of countless people and will be missed. The Utah family lost a great one. We send condolences to his wife and loved ones. And truly, uh, the Utah family did lose a great one. We heard. Uh, personally, I am so grateful for John Peace and for everything that he brought for his example. And I know that there's a lot of other people out there that felt the same way. And, and for someone like that to have an impact and touch so many lives just because of who he was, how he lived, and, and how he uh, portrayed himself, you know, uh, I think that's one of the greatest honors that we can bestow upon somebody. So uh, from all of us here at the Locked on Youth podcast, we also share and send our condolences to his wife and his family and all those closer to him who uh, are mourning at this time. With all the models of cars out there, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you want to go to the counter where somebody who's grumpy to be there has to flip through some giant booklet just to find out what you already know about your car and try and get the right part when maybe it's not even there and they likely won't even look up the right part. In the first place, save your time and money. Go to rockauto.com. You can save 30, 50, even 100% on the same parts from you would get from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have the knowledge of the industry and what customers are looking for to get it done. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, not just uh, the mechanics and the uh, dealerships and, and, and parts distributors of the world. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to explore their easy website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Needs It just drops right there on your doorstep. That's the best part about it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Do you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time available to them. You don't stand a chance. That's why we're introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Your name, you name your stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be. DFS, that's Daily Fantasy Sports, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of in DFS. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Back here on the Locked On Utes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network talking Utah football. Andy Ludwig spoke with the media. We haven't seen him very often. Uh, They've kind of divvied up how they're doing it this this time around i i remember i'm old enough to remember the days when we actually got to talk to all the coaches after practice and i do miss the times where we got to witness practice a little bit as well uh i doubt those days are ever coming back it just is what it is i didn't ever feel like the media was that threatening to the university of utah but alas this is how things are now 
But it was good to hear from Andy Ludwig. He had a couple interesting comments. I thought, first and foremost, shout out to Swap Mary. Your guy is getting a lot of love lately, as Coach Kyle Whittingham mentioned him Saturday after the scrimmage, and Andy Ludwig mentioned that for their third-string quarterback, there is an epic battle going on between Jack Winden Jackson, Peter Costelli, and Bryson Barnes, the small-town wonder. Uh, I am a huge Bryson Barnes fan, as has been mentioned multiple times on this podcast. Not necessarily because I think that he's the next Heisman Trophy winner at the University of Utah, but just that I love watching his game. He's 6'1", 202. He's from Milford, Utah. He's the son of a coach. Um, three, three brothers, one sister. He's an Eagle Scout. Grew up raising roughly 12,000 pigs in a barn in southern Utah. Uh, so he is, I mean, you listen to him talk, he is the epitome of a farm boy, but he also plays like, uh, like a baller. You know, he's very smart, decisive. He, he runs hard. He's, he's a quite an athlete. Um, and, uh, I don't think that he's ever, well, who knows? Uh, I, I doubt that setting any kind of expectations for him to ever be a starter for a game, I think is, uh, a little bit over the line. For somebody who's a walk-on that had mostly uh, FCS and JUCO offers coming out of high school. But I think what's really great about Bryson Barnes is he bet on himself. He went to the University of Utah. He worked hard, and he's earned a spot in that rotation. He's earned a place in the room. It reminds me a lot of Drew Lisk in, in the sense that he just he wanted to walk on to the University of Utah. He worked hard. He finally made it worth it uh, at the very end when he earned a scholarship. And, and I think... Drew Lisk will be remembered as a legend for what he did in the second half of the Washington State game and, and just how that season almost felt like it was teetering in the balance and he just equaled it out. We'd heard Coach Whittingham talk about him for a very, very long time. It was fun to see him come through and really have a game or a moment as a University of Utah football player that denoted how great that he really was throughout the, the course of his career. So Bryson Barnes probably not likely to start anytime soon, but it's cool to see him get some acknowledgement, uh, especially from both Coach Witt and Coach Ludd. Uh, I think that's a really, for those of us who are on the outside looking in, I don't know that we really have a concept of how difficult it is to get that far in that program. I mean, we've seen walk-ons go through there all the time, and some bounce and some stick, and to see him stick at the, quarter, at the quarterback position I think is just, I just want to give give the kid his flowers um, first and foremost. I thought it was really cool. So also swap Mary on on the on the team team Barnes there with me. So, um, anyways, I've now spent way too much time talking about our uh, possible third th- third string quarterback. When of course there is still a lot of intrigue regarding the starting quarterback, and it seems like our team thick boy has closed the gap on team repetitive accuracy. That being Charlie Brewer, uh, Team Thick Boy, obviously Cameron Rising. For those who are not on the socials medias, um, I, I think I, I've said it before on on the podcast. I still believe that Charlie Brewer ends up as a starter simply because he does fit um, a little bit more what Coach Winningham and Coach Ludwig want. I think from their quarterback, the experience, everything about it, the way he carries himself. He started to even open up a little bit more um, to the media and and. And he's clearly to his teammates. I mean, I think they all rave and adore him, and I think his leadership has been really important and impactful. But I also have been a fan of Cameron Rising. I've wanted to I, – I, he would be who I would start right now. I think he's showing with his com- with this competition how he's turned it into a legitimate competition. We thought it would be like a week, maybe two tops, and now we're hearing like, yeah, it may go even longer. We may not know. 
Um, and that's because of Cam Rising. I, I think it's entirely up to him, you know, uh, because of him, I should say. Uh, he worked hard through his rehab. He was smart. He, you know, he's, he's full go now. There's very little limitation. And, and I compared him to Zach, Zach Wilson, who had a setback in the course of his rehabilitation because it went too hard. Cam Rising timed it perfectly. Have many setbacks. He's very healthy. Um, I know that they took a special care with his surgery and everything like that to make sure that there were zero issues with him. And what he's done is he's taken all of that. He's taken his knowledge. He's taken his relationships with his teammates, and he's performed, and he's performed admirably. And I think those are the kinds of attributes that you love in quarterbacks. You love guys that are gamers. You love guys that thrive for competition. You love guys who see a challenge and go after it and keep fighting because he could have given up on day five or gave day seven or, or whenever. So it's really exciting to see that happen. Anyways, I I digress. I talk all the time on this show. Let's listen to Andy Ludwig talk about the quarterback battle here and uh, the offense overall. Fire away. Coach, you have a fun decision ahead of yourself with the quarterbacks. How's, that, how's it been evaluating after camp? It's been great. It's been a very competitive situation. Uh, all the quarterbacks are doing an outstanding job. I know the, the, the race for the number one quarterback gets a lot of attention, but we got a good competition as well for the number three quarterback between three outstanding young players, Jaquin and Jackson, Peter Costelli, and Bryson Barnes. So I know all the talk is about one and two, but there's also a battle for that three spot, and I'm very pleased with the progress of the entire position group. You also have a, a, a lot of running backs, and you know one, one, one coming into camp that hasn't really been talked about with Tavion Thomas. How, how hard of a choice is it going to be to, to split up the reps at the running back spot? Well, it's a real luxury to be able to split up those, those reps, and again, you'd like to identify one individual to be the lead ball carrier. But there's four young men that are competing every day with an exceptional skill set. Each one does something a little bit different. So it allows us to be real creative in the way that we use all their various tools and skill sets. What more do you need to see out of Cam and Charlie um, before this decision gets made? Uh, more execution, more uh, completions, just a larger body of work, I believe, is, would be uh, my conversation with Coach Whittingham before we make the, uh, that designation. What was your assessment after Saturday's scrimmage of those guys? Uh, they both did a good job. Statistically about even, Charlie had a couple more uh, pass attempts. The completion percentages were about the same. They were both efficient, efficient, moving the offense. Whether they were working with the first offense or the second offense, they just intermixed all the way through. And uh, they were productive, so I'm fired up about that. They didn't make the decision didn't make the decision any easier with being uh, that efficient on Saturday. In all your years, though, have you found that the decision sort of makes itself, or the coaches have to step in and make it? Uh, this one, this one, we're going to have to make, and uh, that's a good, that's a great situation to be in because that's again two highly motivated, two football junkies with high football intellect that are playing at a very high level. Last year, the passing obviously wasn't as, as expected. How, how do you feel to get those, those receivers, you know, more play this year as opposed to last year? Well, it's, it's a it's a player-driven game, and I have great confidence in the two quarterbacks that are competing for the number one job. I got great confidence in the three quarterbacks competing for the number three job. So if you feel great about the guy pulling the trigger, it's a lot easier to call pass plays. Have you ever seen a situation like this where one of the guys is coming off major shoulder surgery and steps right into a quarterback competition? Uh, let me circle back 34 years. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Just what does it say about you know his toughness? His unbelievable, unbelievable to come back from shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and uh, spinning it the way he's doing it with the velocity, the accuracy, uh, speaks volumes to 
his relentless uh, rehab speaks highly of the doctors and the training staff, everyone that put him back together. Last year, you know, Ty kind of established himself as the running back in the games. Is that something that you expect to see this year? Or are you hoping to, to have one or two guys that you're, you're hoping to run with when you start against Winterstead? Again, if you can identify one, one lead back, I think that's the best way to go, and we're in a very competitive situation, and may the best man win. But uh, there, there's a lot of skill in that backfield. Because the quarterback situation is so close when you make the decision will that determine how you will divide the percentage of the reps once the decision is made it does and that won't be any different than any other year between uh, uh, half and a third of the reps go to the second quarterback usually about a third of the reps and then the third quarterback what makes the third quarterback position so challenging is he's responsible to know everything able to do everything but he's not getting any reps with the offense now, as, as far as the old line goes, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle said you guys want to go about 10 deep. How many guys do you, do you think are game ready right now? We got some guys, I think, just uh, five spots, two deep, five spots. So we got, we feel good about 10, 10 offensive linemen. We know there's a couple, we're getting a couple back now that weren't with us for the scrimmage. That's going to be a huge addition for us. But uh, that group is, is, Depth. So again, that's I guess that's the third time you've heard that when you talk about the running backs, the O line, the quarterback. So I'm very confident about the depth and experience at that position. When you bring in a transfer, what's the challenges in getting those people up to speed? Uh, first, acclimating them to the Utah football culture. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of demands on these players. It's very structured. It's very disciplined. Some come from programs that may not have had that same uh, mantra or culture built in. So that's the first thing. Uh, offensively dealing with new nomenclature, new terminology. Oftentimes, you know, most of us run the same plays basically, but they can be called completely different. And then just locking in on the details of the techniques that their coaches. So how, how long does that take? Uh, if you want to play, it can't take very long. They got it. They got to And guys work at it. And uh, right now we have great. If you talk about the kids that were here in the spring, have a much greater advantage than the players that came in the summer for fall camp. But uh, I'm pleased with the progress of all the transfer players. Kyle's talked about this season kind of resembling, in some respects, the 2019 season. Uh, in terms of the offense, do you expect your playbook to, to kind of resemble that same thing that Tyler ran, or is this kind of different based on the different QBs? Different, different QBs. So the, the offense, again, uh, we always say we got, hey, we got about 500 plays in the playbook. It, it's a sliding scale. We're going to make sure what we do fits the quarterback position and the supporting cast around them and uh, put the QB in a position to be successful. How do you feel like that has, has gone so far in terms of the team understanding the, you know, the, the playbook and, and what you're wanting to do? Good, yeah. It's not necessarily new plays, just emphasizing whether you're in shotgun or under center, whether it's drop back pass or play action pass. We just want to make sure we're running an offensive system, not just a bunch of plays. But, by the way, speaking of, of Tyler, um, he, had a, he had a pretty good debut with the Ravens in, in their last game. How, how cool was that to see, especially seeing his, his path of where he's at now? Tyler Huntley is an awesome person, awesome football player, unbelievable football junkie the way he worked at it. He deserves every shred of success he's having, so I'm fired up for him. Thank you very much. All right, there you have it. Andy Ludwig spoke with the media. I thought the biggest takeaways were just – how he talked about the different position battles and uh, Josh Furlong, who uh, I think is one of the better uh, beat writers, beat reporters out there on the on the beat, asked a really smart, savvy question. Said, you know, with, with comparisons to the 2019 team, is the offense going to look the same? And Andy said, no, different quarterbacks. 
And I think that speaks a lot to the volume of experience that Andy Ludwig brings to the program, but also his willingness to build his offense around what he has in terms of players. It's something that we hear all the time, but a lot of times there are coaches that aren't willing to do that. And I thought that was really uh, his MO. It always has been that he's going to suit. He's going to conform the offense and build the offense to suit the, the skill set of the guys that are handling the ball the most. I think that that means more in the running game. I also uh, – I'm curious to also see what that means. Now, that doesn't mean the offense is going to look completely different and revamped, but I think there are going to be more nuances to it. You might see a little bit more, you know, some QB counter. They, they call it GT counter is, is how uh, it's phrased where you have the counter tray action, which is that play that Joe Williams ran against UCLA ad nauseum, but then you have the quarterback with the ability to read – and also run option to the opposite side. We've seen Tyler Huntley run it a little bit at the University of Utah in the past, just not a lot when once you know he was the only quarterback in charge. But also I think that was one point that he managed to make is that it's the third quarterback responsibility is almost as important as the first and the second because they have to take um, the least amount of snaps but also know the most and be the per- prepared the most. So really is a fascinating dynamic there. I apologize that they decided to use the jugs machine right next to the media scrum. I can't imagine that Kyle Whittingham or anybody within the program may have done that on purpose. They would never do anything like that, he said sarcastically. Um, it's uh, Even in sa- on Saturday, we're in the media room, and I swear they had the, the uh, HVAC on as high as it could go. Like You could hear it like... <laughs> In the background of some of those comments too, so I just there's no good way to get sound, and, and as you could hear it, the mics were as close as we could get to the coaching staff, and still picking up that stuff. So, whatever it is, what it is. Um, that was Andy Ludwig. That's I, I felt like he had some really interesting things to say. It makes me curious to see what we're going to see um, from the offense come fall. Would sure be nice to watch that. I guess I'll have to uh, find out the secrets of the offense with everyone else on Thursday when the University of Utah faces off against Weber State. But the good news is that you don't have to wait to go and put some money down on that game if you want, because BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They are taking bets on all sorts of sports right now, baseball, college football, NFL, preseason, summer league, whatever it is that you are into, they are likely there to take the action for you. So you just need to head to betonline.ag. You can go there on your laptop, mobile device, whatever it is that you like to use to sign up. There's all sorts of contests and bonus information on there. Don't wait out anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for the start of the season. Go to the website, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, use the promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. Closing out a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And wanted to talk a little bit about some pro Utes on the baseball side of things. We don't talk baseball a ton. We try to get to it whenever we can. Uh, I think the big one, likely, and this one hurts your guy because as someone who grew up watching the Padres and is a Padres fan, yes, that's right. I really do know how to pick them. Been a Padres fan for over 20 years. Uh, Last night, CJ Crone... The Crone Zone went whammy to end the game as the Rockies beat the Padres 6-5 on C.J. Crone's walk-off home run. It was a beautiful shot right over the 
I think it was the right field wall. Uh, it it was one of those. There was no doubt it was gone. Uh, beautiful hit for him. CJ for the season is hitting 263. He has 20 home runs, 64 RBIs, and has an OPS of 881. Playing first base for the Rockies, it seems like he's found a pretty good spot up there. Not a bad season for him overall. 20 homers, 64 ribbies. Um, that OPS is not bad at all. So hopefully that will lead to him sticking around in the majors uh, on a more long-term basis. He was always phenomenal, phenomenally fun to watch as a Ute, and it's been fun to see him uh, succeed at the pro level. But also last night, some big news as former Utah pitcher Andre Jackson made his debut with the Dodgers. Uh, left-hander Justin Brule opened a bullpen game with one inning for the Dodgers. He turned it over to Andre Jackson, making his major league debut after being recalled earlier in the day. Jackson allowed two hits in four innings, struck out five, and walked four. 25-year-old right-hander has split this season between AA Tulsa and AAA Oklahoma City, has a combined record of 5-2 and two and a 3.28 ERA. But, man, what an exciting debut for him. It was a great shot of his dad in the crowd cheering him on. Not a bad appearance at all for Jackson as he, again, struck out five, walked four, and allowed two hits in four innings. That's a pretty good first outing. Uh, way better than I could have done, no, about, no doubt about it. But it's also really fun to see two former Utes, pinging Utes, um, or I guess striking Utes. I don't know if we can call the pitchers pinging Utes or not. I'm sure some of you will let you know in my mentions. Let me know in my mentions if we can or not. Um Baseball, I, I was fine at baseball. Uh, I, let's just put it this way. Big Al isn't the only one that likes dingers. As, uh, I also used to call my shot a lot, and sometimes that shot would call me out swinging. Um, but I, I definitely do not know the game nearly as well as I know football or some of the others and, and not well-connected at all. However, I do like seeing former Utes have success, even if it is against my team, even if it is for my rival. Uh, seeing Andre Jackson pitch is just... That really brought a smile to my face. That's really cool, especially knowing that it's super hard uh, to get good college pitching at the University of Utah. Uh, we've seen them be really productive in hitting and, and scoring runs, but pitching can be a little bit. Pitching's hard to get everywhere, uh, or maybe that's just my Padres-colored sunglasses being on right now. Anyways, enough about that. Really exciting to see those two Utes come through in the clutch. Um, we're gonna wrap this thing up for today. Jake was out. He was uh, under the weather, so I gave him the night off. But we'll come back tomorrow with more conversation about the commentary from fall camp, obviously. Want to get to the pro youth's performances as well. Decided to postpone that with the, the news around John Peace. And there's plenty of other things to talk about going on as well in Utah sports as, as some of the other sports are starting to ramp up. Uh, wanted to close out this episode with another personal shout-out. Today is my mother's birthday. Uh, Mama Brown, she uh, she did she did many good things, but I think the best one was she managed to turn a uh, a mess in me into a semi decent human being. At least I can produce a a podcast five days a week. We'll put it that way. But um, huge shout out to her. She's a special, amazing woman and a diehard Utah fan. If you think that I'm a diehard Utah fan, or or maybe my dad is, neither of us compare to. Uh, my mother, who I think has been to more football games probably than, than anyone other than maybe a coach's wife, 
she she loves it. In fact, she's getting good at breaking down coverages now, which is really fun to watch um, and, and hear her critique when she watches games. So happy birthday, Mama Brown. We Even everybody out there, you might not know her, but you would love her. Uh, she is one of the most energetic, personable people ever. In fact, I, I would not be surprised if some of you have had an interaction with my mom at one point in time and didn't even realize that it was my mother. Uh, about the only thing that we have in common uh, physically is our hair color is very similar. She's about six, seven inches shorter than I am. But her energy and her uh, love of interacting with Utah fans is very contagious. Um, she just does it a lot better in person. I have to use a microphone. So shout out to Mama Brown. Happy birthday. We love you. You're the best. Um, that's going to be it for me today. I appreciate everybody hanging with me through some personal uh, sharings of stories and whatnot. I, I try not to get too deep into that kind of stuff on here. I know what you're here for. You're here for Utah sports and my bad puns and, and Jake guiding the ship through the uh, stormy seas that can be me talking constantly. So I appreciate you all hanging in with me throughout the days and um, nights and or whenever you're listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Utes, you can follow me at Brown Bear SLC. You can follow Jake at Jacob C Hatch, and obviously you can send us an email LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. We uh, haven't seen any new uh, ratings in a while. As always, five stars only. That's otherwise I'm going to make fun of you on the air if you don't and and say that you're ugly and you can't read good. But that's it for today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your time. Uh, shout out again to everybody out there grinding for the Utes right now. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for August 17th, 2021. And we will talk to you again on tomorrow.